0: Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Hi everyone, welcome to week number two in our series entitled Healthy. And today I wanna set a foundation. We're talking all about creating a pathway that leads you to both spiritual and emotional health growing together like we talked about last week. Today is a foundational week and we'll be building upon this week and all of the next few weeks. And I wanna talk today about knowing your true self. And for some of you, that might seem like a weird phrase, but let me take you right into the scripture, right into the Bible to help you understand what I mean when I say knowing your true self. I want to look with you at Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 to 24. And here's what it says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And now verse 24, "'And to put on the new self created to be like God "'in true righteousness and holiness.'" So this verse actually calls us to take off the old self. Now, this old self is really the false self. It's the the degenerated version of us that we're born into because of sin and the fall of man. It has passions and desires that are deceitful and corrupted. And we're supposed to put off that old self, which is actually our false self. And this is why because the verse that follows it tells us to put on a new self. Put on a new self created to be like God. So that's who you were actually created to be. And that's the person that we're asking you to consider putting on. And it says this, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's your true self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So this new self, is the true self. So how do you know your true self? Augustine said this, grant Lord that I may know myself that I may know you. That is a powerful, powerful prayer that I may know myself that I may know you. In other words, in knowing myself, I begin to discover who God is. And here's the tension for us. The tension is that the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we really are. We unconsciously live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectation for us. I mean, there's examples of this all through our lives. You know, sometimes we live in a state of imitation where rather than trying to find out who we are, we simply imitate those that we would say are successful. Sometimes we have pressure that comes to us from our family to be something that just doesn't fit who we are. Sometimes we do what others want us to do because we get the feedback that we require. We get the affirmation. And so we create a cycle of not being who we are, but of being something else. And I want you to know, any of you who are there or have been there, you realize how overwhelming and exhausting it is to be somebody other than you. So how do we do what the Bible is asking us to do? How do you become truly you? I wanna start there today. I wanna give you a thought. First one is this. Remember that you are created in the image of God. And that's what the verse was um, alluding to when we read that verse. It says created to be like God in true righteousness. You see, you are created in the image of God. And so when it comes to this combination of the emotional you and the spiritual you, you've got to recognize that being created in the image of God means that God thinks, therefore you think, that God wills, therefore you will, that God feels, therefore you feel. You're created in his image. Thinking, wanting, having desires, and feelings are all part of being created in God's image, So what does this mean for us? This means that we must accept that God who created us to feel, to have emotion, may very well be speaking to us through our feelings. Now, some of you are feeling like I'm on dangerous ground here. I get it. Many Christians actually believe that they don't have permission to consider their feelings especially the ones that are considered more difficult, if you will, like fear or sadness or anger. And so what happens to us is unconsciously, we have a rule against those feelings. We believe we are defective or unchristian if we feel these kinds of emotions because we perceive these to be unchristian type feelings and real Christians don't get angry and so on. Real Christians don't have fear, Right. So we end up lying. We lie to ourselves and we hide our feelings and we wear a mask and we do it before God. We do it before ourselves and in front of other people. This is not your true self. Becoming truly you means that you allow yourself to experience the full weight of all of your feelings. Sometimes they're heavy, of all your feelings without censoring them, just allowing the feelings to be feelings then you can reflect on those feelings and you can thoughtfully decide what to do with them. Some of them must not be acted on. Some of them can be acted on. Some of them are informing something deeper. Some of them are teaching us something spiritually. Sometimes those feelings are showing us what we need to do or what we need to remove ourselves from, right? And so in doing this, what you're actually doing is you trust God to come to you in the midst of your feelings and speak to you as you ask, okay, Lord, why do I feel this way? My second thought on how to become the truly you that the Bible speaks of is that number two, you accept that God loves you before you ever do anything for him. Now this takes us back a little bit to last week's message, but again, such a foundational idea. There's this amazing picture of this concept in the earthly life of Jesus at Jesus' baptism, where he comes into the water and is baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says he comes up out of the water. And there's a number of accounts of it in the, in the Gospels. But one says the spirit descends like a dove. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen, if you're a child of God, you'll do very well to memorize that verse, to memorize its content, because this is God speaking to his son. In other words, what God is saying to Jesus here is before you ever do any ministry, before all the miracles, before your obedience to death on the cross, you are loved, you are good, and it is so good that you exist. You see, Jesus receives an experiential affirmation that he is deeply loved by his heavenly father simply for who he is. And this forms the self-understanding that Jesus expresses over and over again in all of his ministry. He existed in the affirmation of his father. What a picture. The only true foundation for us to know and accept ourselves is found in experiencing God's love and acceptance just like Jesus did. He loves you before you ever do anything for him. Believe that. Believe that. Hold on to that. You're his son. You're his daughter. He is proud of you. He is pleased with you, right? So next, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and he goes there to be tempted. In other words, all that he has just experienced in the affirmation of the Father is going to be tested. And many of you have experienced those same kind of tests. You feel like you've heard what I've just said before, but you find yourself in wilderness testing times. See, God's claim of love will always be challenged by the enemy. He'll say in many different ways that God's love for you will never be enough. That, you know, that he will tell you that you are not good enough and that you are not worthy to be loved. He tells you this in order to get you to agree with him and doubt yourself. He wants you to re-identify yourself so that you in turn re-identify God. I'm not good enough for him. He's not loving. He is not good. He does not care about me. You see, let's look at how the enemy tempted Jesus with false views of God and of himself. And let's see what we learn from this. So we're now going to just keep moving down in that passage. We were just in, in Matthew three seventeen, And now let's look at Matthew chapter four, which is the next account. This is Jesus in the wilderness. And we're gonna read the first three verses. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And here it begins. Now, verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You see, he questions the identity of Jesus. If you are the son of God. The first temptation that Jesus faced was this, number one, the temptation to perform. What have you done, Jesus? Nothing. Hey, Think about yourself, what contributions have you made to the world? And many of you have felt the sting of a world that asks this same question of you, right? Yet even more of us have bought into its fruit. We have this desire to perform. And we're always asking ourselves, have we performed well enough to be accepted, to be loved? Have we been successful at school or at family or at work or at church or in relationships? And, and, and what this desire does for us, what this temptation leads us to is to believe a lie. And this is the lie. You are what you do. And many of you, even as I say that, you say, oh yeah, that's totally a lie. But do you live as though that lie were truth? You are what you do. I want us to keep going because we've got a lot of ground to cover, but, but these lies and the temptations that are attached to them are so real. They weren't just about Jesus. They're about you and me as well. So Matthew chapter four, let's read on verses five and six. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, again, there it is. He he actually questions his identity. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is the second temptation that the enemy is laying before Jesus? It's this, number two, the temptation of popularity. The devil was saying, hey, let them all see you and be amazed. Here we are on the top of the temple. This is the pinnacle of our faith and religion. This is the pinnacle of the people that you want to reach. You came to reach them, right? So come on, throw yourself down. Let the angels of heaven come. And some of us are addicted to what other people think. And we miss many opportunities to love and care for others because we're so focused on how we are being perceived. And this gives into this lie, the lie that matches the temptation, which is you are what others think of you. You are what others think of you. Now, if that doesn't sink in, you can walk right past that, not realize that the enemy uses this lie over and over and over again in our lives to get us to buy in to that false lie self. Okay, let's keep going. Now, I'm going to give you the third temptation in just a minute. Let's read this verse that goes with it. Again, so the devil just keeps on going here. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Whoa, Man, the enemy just keeps on going. Jesus must have been really vulnerable at this time because this is just downright dirty. This third temptation is the temptation to possess. The devil was saying, look at all this. I'll give it all to you. This is what you came for, right? You came for all of this, to be king, to be ruler. I'll give it all to you. Just worship me. The devil was saying, hey, listen, how can you ever be somebody unless you have something, you know? You're actually a nobody, Jesus. You're empty-handed. No one will take you seriously unless you have what they want and I can give it to you. This is the way the enemy approached him. And this is how the enemy plays on our insecurity and fears. He tells us, you will end up destitute. You will be penniless. Don't you want to be successful? And the lie comes, you are what you have. You see, all three of these lies, boy, they just—they play on so many areas of our culture, our world and us. And so how are we gonna handle this? I'm gonna spend the rest of my time with you answering this question. How can I fight these temptations and lies? See, every one of us can find ourselves here and what the enemy wants to do is get you to stay in that false self and not become your true self. So how do you fight those lies? How do you fight those temptations? Here's the first thing I wanna share with you. The way you're gonna fight those lies and temptations is you have to return to what God says about you. You are created in my image. That's what God says. And I love you before you do anything. You are enough because I am more than enough. You see, this is what God says to us and we have to return to that. And that's what Jesus did. The enemy brought a temptation and then Jesus would respond and say, hey, it's, it's written in the Bible as well. Yeah, you're quoting the scripture, but let me tell you what God's heart is. See, Jesus knew God's heart so he couldn't be fooled. The enemy couldn't fool him because he knew God and he returned to the words of God to receive what he needed. So that's how you're going to combat, to defeat those lies and those temptations is return, return to what God says about you. The second thing is this, start to discover the seeds of your true self. Now this is a bit abstract and I'm not gonna take this analogy too far, but there are seeds of your true self in you. They're actually embedded in you, embedded in your personality, in your thoughts, in your dreams, in your temperament, in your feelings, in your talents, in your desires. In all these places, there are seeds of your true self because God built you. And so here's what you do. You acknowledge them. You acknowledge all these areas of yourself. You don't reject them. You acknowledge them and you start to pray, okay, God, what have you placed within me that reveals the true self you have created me to be. And God, help me. Help me to trust you to speak to me through the seeds of my true self that you've placed here. And in the deep dive, Pastor Darren's gonna to talk to you about how to develop that true self. He's gonna give you some real practical points about that. And so make sure you, you connect with the deep dive through your small group, And we're also making that available to any of you. uh, And you can find that through our website and social media and so on. So let me give you one last thought. Third thought about how you're going to combat these lies and temptations. Third thought is this. Agree that though created in God's image, you are not God's image. Jesus is. say that again, it's so, so important. Agree that though created in God's image, you are not God's image, Jesus is. In fact, it's Colossians chapter one, verse 15. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. You're created in his image, but Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So listen, you cannot save yourself. You cannot save others, but Jesus can. And he wants to save you if you'll let him. He'll save you from those temptations and lies. Let him rescue you. Let him rescue you from the lies and temptations of the enemy. And and this includes the lie that you don't need Jesus. Some of you are watching and that's where you're at today. You've believed a lie that you don't need Jesus. You've seen the image of God in yourself versus in Jesus. You're created in his image, but Jesus is the image. Don't believe the lie that you don't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. The Bible says every single one of us needs Jesus. We've all fallen short. We all need God's help. And it comes to us in Jesus Christ. So accept God's love for you and begin a relationship with him. Listen, if you're making that decision right now, saying, I'm not gonna believe the lie that I don't need Jesus anymore. If you're making that decision, I just wanna encourage you, would you text life to the number on the screen? You see, we wanna help you. We know that making that decision is a massive step and we wanna walk with you in that step. We wanna help you. We wanna encourage you. You don't have to live life alone. And you don't have to do your faith journey alone. We're here for you. Also, you might be watching on our church online platform. and You'll see that there is a hand that you can click. And what you're doing and clicking that hand is you're saying, I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to tell you that's the best decision you could ever make. We want to encourage you to do that. Do that today. Don't let this time go by. So listen, today is all about moving. Moving from from that old self that that false self to that new self that true self. And so we've unearthed so many things today. I just want to pray for you that God would now begin to lead you in this journey as we set now a very solid foundation to stand on. Lord, we together agree that your direction for us is that real, true self. Lord, begin to help us to unearth who that person is in Christ Jesus. Help us to begin to unearth that person that you've made us to be. Lord, not given to corruptible desires, but Lord, being made new, that true self in true righteousness, like that opening verse said. Lord, help us. Help us not to believe the lies, not to fall to the temptations, but to really hold on to your idea of who we are, to hold on to your truth about us, to realize, Jesus, you are the actual image of God. And we so desperately need you. Lead us now in Jesus' name. And we commit ourselves to discovering and living out that true self. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.